The Secret World Chronicle, a podcast novel series written by Mercedes Lackey, Cody Martin, Dennis Lee, and Veronica Jaguer. Presenting Season 8, Collision. Next to Normal, Part 1. Written by Dennis Lee, Cody Martin, Veronica Jaguer, and Mercedes Lackey. Tuesday evenings at Normality had become the preferred time for the Echo regulars to relax and unwind. Fridays had their own sense of celebration, but Tuesdays brought a subdued crowd that was happy to cluster around tables with a few beers. Those who wanted more than that had to sit at the bar, and Mel kept that conversation going. She enjoyed the back and forth, whiskey and scotch lubricating their words and bringing out their honest assessments of the current state of things. They hadn't seen the huge flying spheres and metal-suited Kriegers for a few weeks, but none of the regulars seemed complacent. Waiting usually meant there was something bigger, something scarier, on the horizon. And if it's not the Kriegers coming down Peachtree, it's Verdigree. Bella tossed back a shot of Glenlivet and turned her glass upside down on the polished bar top. Next to her, Bulwark nursed his beer and nodded in agreement. We can't count him out, especially with his personal assassin doing his dirty work. Think she's sleeping with him? Verd and his girl Friday, I mean. Mel popped open two amber bottles and set one each in front of John Murdoch and Red Genie. Both men nodded their thanks, but her smile lingered on the genie for a little while longer. He wore his standard Clooney impersonation tonight, and he finally returned her smile with a smirk. She struck an impish pose, resting a hand lightly on her hip. <laughs> what? You don't think she would? Couldn't tell you, Red shrugged. Never met her, wouldn't want to, and I wouldn't presume to know her type. Maybe she likes crazy with a comb over. Then again, he's probably too busy for romance. I'd bet on a pair of full-service mannequins. He's still your plans? John asked dryly. He had become a fixture at normality, just as much for the beer as for the company. Mel found him interesting, but he seemed too much of a soldier, and she had had her fill of those in her experiences. Next to him, Bella snorted and smothered a laugh with her hand. You gotta stop putting those on the internet. Nah. You see, metal and polymers give me a rash. Besides, you're thinking of Pavel, Red answered. Oh, jeez. Bella choked out. Don't give him any ideas. If Natalia found out. As if on cue, the door to the bar flew open and a commissar-shaped silhouette filled the entry. Mel watched the theatrics of Red Savior as she went from table to table, rounding up her charges and pushing them out the door. The severe Russian advanced on a group of college students surrounding Pavel, her fists suffused with a bright blue plasma. Squeals and shrieks erupted from the table before the co-ed streamed out the door. Pavel stumbled after them with the commissar on his heels, while Unter was left to pay the tab. He offered John an efficient nod in parting. Last call, comrade. John indicated the empty seat between him and the genie. One more for the night? Unter sniffed. Last call went out the door. Another time, perhaps. He gave the same severe nod to Bella and Bulwark before leaving. A small puff of dust erupted on the bar top. 
The little earth elemental hugged a small paper cup to his chest, and he shook it back and forth in front of Mel. <laughs> Last call for you, too. She reached under the counter for the bottle that she kept separate for Vicky and Herb's custom delivery service. She poured two fingers' worth of the Ardbeg single malt and cracked a smile in Bulwark's direction. Jeannie's got her clock in a good ten, fifteen seconds ahead of me on the parkour course. I gotta get some sleep before tomorrow's run or Victrix is gonna kick my ass. Bull gave her one of his rare, wry smiles. She's holding back, you know, he said. Doesn't want you to feel bad about the fact that she might actually lap you now. I should have known, Mel laughed. But if that were true, why doesn't she just let me overtake her? It's still Victrix, the genie chuckled. The lady plays to win. I can hear you, Vicky's voice came over the bar's sound system. And see you too. There was a laugh that sounded maybe just a touch tipsy. I am the fly on the wall. Come on home, Herb. That stuff's not going to drink itself. Herb gave them all a quick salute and disappeared with the paper cup. The others soon followed. John set his glass down on the bar with a flourish, rose and waved his goodbyes. Bella and Bulwark started to do the same, although the genie didn't give any indication that he was leaving. Mel didn't mind, but Bulwark glared down the bar in Red's direction, and she caught the frown. Bella did too, and she started to say something, but Mel interrupted. I'm a big girl, y'all. I've dealt with bigger and meaner in my day. I'm strong enough to haul his sorry carcass out to the alley if he passes out, she laughed. When? Bella corrected. If? Red shot back from his seat. Go on, the two of you. Just make sure that you don't wear him out too much, Blue. It's a work day tomorrow. Every day is a work day, Bella corrected. Mel resisted the urge to smile when the young co-leader of Echo laced her fingers with bulls on their way out. The two made a perfectly matched couple, and the genie chuckled wryly as Bella led Bulwark through the door. Mel followed them, turning the lock once the door shut. The genie regarded her with an odd expression that she chose to answer with a wink and a smile. Well, just you and me, Cher. Considering that I hate to drink alone, mind keeping a girl company for a while longer? He didn't answer her immediately, but he didn't give any indication he wanted to leave. Mel took it as a sign that he would stay for one more drink, and she grabbed two glasses and the Lefroig that he and John enjoyed with their occasional off-key serenades. She poured his glass before pouring her own. So, she drawled. How long has it been? Red stared at her. How long has what been? Since you've had a thing for her. Parker, I mean. Mel tilted her head at the front door. Clearly, she's with the walking wall now, but either there's something there, or you wanted there to be something there. Well, not that I blame you. She's cute, she added with a half-smile. He studied the bottom of his glass before answering. Long enough. Long enough to know. Know what? 
He paused and downed the rest of his drink. She is not for me. Mel's mouth twisted in a half-smile. Well, I guess your princess is in another castle, then. She paused. A long pause. Never mind. Granted, that might be the scotch talking, but I'd actually have to start drinking. She put back half her glass and winced. There. Now it's the scotch talking. So... Why not, Parker? I'm not drunk enough for that conversation, Red muttered. Amazingly enough, we are surrounded by alcohol, and you've got one of the finest bartenders from New Orleans at your disposal this evening. Mel slipped around the side of the bar and leaned against the bar stool, one of her knees purposely touching his. I can help get you drunk enough for that conversation or for anything else that might require some liquid courage. She punctuated that promise by tossing back the rest of her scotch. He stared at her, his eyes losing focus. Yeah. Now I'm thinking I'm too drunk for this conversation. Well, I'm not drunk at all, she said, promptly pouring herself a generous shot. Law of Averages says that we're only half drunk. So together, we're not altogether drunk. Demi-drunk. Red played with the words. Semi-inebriated. Inter-inebriated. Half sheets to the wind. Partially pissed. Half plastered. Mm, I like that. Half plastered. Reminds me of the back wall. Mel answered. Red's eyes began to wander, his gaze lingering on the worn echo symbol stretched across her chest, then at the wall, and back again. You don't want to know what flashed through my mind just now. I got it, she said, snapping her fingers. You and me? We're not quite under the table. Not helping, he groaned, dropping his face into the palm of one hand. So, if not under the table, then maybe on the table. Both hands covered his face. Still not helping. Really not helping. Mel sighed and hopped up to sit on the bar. She pushed herself over until she sat with one leg on either side of him, the bottle in one hand. Mel reached forward and lifted his chin until his eyes met hers. How about now? She drawled. This help? Yeah, he muttered. You're a real Samaritan. He raised his glass. Give me another. And ask me again. In his time, the genie had slipped past high-security measures of all flavors, shapes, and sizes. On top of the usual tricks of the trade, he had an epidermal layer that he could expand to an odd sponge-of-warm texture to deaden his footsteps, and senses that allowed for a complete awareness of his surroundings. 
Taken together, he easily crossed the distance from the bed to Mel's window without a sound, handily avoiding creaks in the hardwood, dodging bits of clothing, shoes, and armaments that had been hastily scattered about the night before. Pausing only to grab his scarf, he was ready to make his escape. He hadn't counted on the alarm clock. Mel had yet to miss a morning at the parkour course, and the flat buzzing noise elicited a muffled, Damn it and a hand coming out from under the covers to fumble for the snooze button. Red paused, his hands gently supporting the window he had halfway opened, one foot already climbing out onto the fire escape. He froze, but then relaxed as Mel's hand dove back under the sheets. In a moment, she appeared to be snoring. Red watched her for a moment and gave up. He climbed back in, crossed his arms, and leaned back against the window. You're awake, he said simply. The rumpled mess of sheets moved and Mel lifted her head from the pillow. She stretched both hands above her head before rolling to her back and propping herself out on her elbows. A lazy yet satisfied half-smile accompanied her words. As she found me out, what gave it away? Your breathing wasn't quite right, he offered. A bit exaggerated. Your acting needs a bit of work if you're going to fool me. Mel chuckled, a throaty noise that he had heard multiple times the night before. Well, the way you slid out of bed, it was artful. Didn't move the mattress or anything. I figured it would be poor taste to interrupt your getaway. She sat up a little more, the thin bed sheet tucked under both arms as if she meant to remind Red what he was escaping. Not your first, I'm guessing. Don't mean to offend you, darling. Red apologized with a grandiose bow. I've always found it easier on both parties to steal away in these situations. Keeps the awkward to a minimum. Oh, so this is you just being a gentleman for my sake, she drawled. Chivalry in personal defenestration, right? He shrugged. Call it a quirk. I'm the guy who likes to control when and how he leaves the building through a window. I'm guessing it helps when the window's open beforehand. Like you said, not my first time. A few of the noisier goodbyes had memorable finales. He paused as she waited expectantly. Yes, he confirmed. I was thrown through closed windows. Mel swung her legs around to the side of the bed and stood, pulling the top sheet with her in a makeshift robe. My personal favorite was a drainpipe shimmy. Three stories to a muddy front lawn. All the dirt made up for the wet t-shirt. She winked at him. You ever do a closed door? I've been slammed up against a few, I suppose, he murmured. His brow furrowed as he came to a startling conclusion. It seems I've been with some really strong women. Mm, apparently, she agreed. Your retreat technique isn't bad, but I was in special ops, remember? Don't need to see or hear you moving to know what's happening. Mel took a few steps away from the bed, the sheet trailing behind her. Think about it, though. Wherever you sleep, she said, air quotes and a wicked smile framing the word sleep, 
the setup stays the same. There's no real variation. There's something like a bed, something like clothes, and they ain't on either person in any presentable fashion. And, she finished with a genie-like flourish, there's always one way out. It's that old saying, right? Mel said with a wry smirk. No matter where you go. You're always alone, Red finished. He knew the real saying, of course. Very zen, very poignant, but he wasn't feeling it. It wasn't the same. He wasn't the same, and perhaps he was finally ready to acknowledge that some things just wouldn't be enough for him anymore. Moments before, caught in the act, he had fallen back to another line of defense. Mere words, said with a bow and with a nice flourish of charm and grace, could be a formidable weapon. He had many in his arsenal. But at their core, they were lies. Artful bits of deception with a lot of show and flash that did their job covering up a painful reality. And he was tired of lying. It just wasn't enough anymore. And so he had blurted a few words of truth, surprising himself with how deep the words cut through their little dance. And it had been a dance. Mel had been a willing partner, but the words had struck her as well, and in the shocked stillness he found himself lost in her face, her startled expression a mirror to his own. She knows, he thought. Well, sure. Not her first dance, either. She looked away first. Gone were the flirtatious, knowing smiles, and when she moved away, her steps were leaden, lifeless. I'll make coffee to go, she said quietly. We've got a run start time in thirty minutes. She swapped the sheet for a robe and made a beeline for the bedroom door. Red caught up to her, taking her hand firmly in his. She froze, not turning, her hand cold and lifeless in his. He tried to speak, but what was there to say? They stood there, still, neither quite sure what to do next. A moment of truth, naked honesty, and Red had effectively stripped away years of practice subterfuge. For her, it might have been a first. For him, it had definitely been an age since the last. Since Victoria... Finally, he felt her grasp his hand warmly as she brought it up to her shoulder. She took a few tentative steps and led him to the kitchen. No one has to be alone, she said. You have been listening to Collision, Season 8 of the Secret World Chronicle podcast novel series. Season 8 is written by Mercedes Lackey, Cody Martin, Dennis Lee, and Veronica Jaguer. Music is Exciting Trailer by Kevin McLeod from Incompetech.com. The Secret World Chronicle podcast is narrated and produced by Veronica Jaguer and is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License. The fourth book, Collision, is available in print and ebook in December 2014 from the amazing people at Bayon Books. For more information about the series or to listen to earlier seasons, check out www.secretworldchronicle.com 
Want to chat with the authors and fellow SWC fans? Join the Secret World Chronicle group on Facebook. And as always, thank you for listening.